Hey folks, welcome to episode 136 of the FLW Podcast in uh, Benton, Kentucky. I'm Jody White. I'm joined by, from Hopkins, Minnesota, Mr. Kyle Wood. Yeah! Kyle, uh, We're back, man. Yeah, well, we're back. We did take last week off. We said we were going to... I think we said we were going to try and make it happen last week, but we ended up not making it happen. It got a little crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's alright. We'll be... Honestly, I foresee pretty regular shows for quite a while going forward here, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, definitely I agree with that. something will happen next week at Norris. Uh, I don't know if you've got any plans the week after Norris, but I know I don't. And then the week after... I should after, probably be around. The week after that, we're at Table Rock for the Costa FLW Series Championship, so we know that'll happen. The week after that gets a little more iffy, but I bet we can pull something together. Uh, there's a Strike King Writers Conference then, so it's a little, you know, interesting-ish. But uh, I think it should be should be a good time, I would say. Um, anyhow. I think so. Yeah, we'll go ahead. We'll actually get into the show here. Uh, on the agenda today, I haven't done it yet, but I will do it, and you'll be listening to it very shortly. A interview with Kyle Cordiana. Um, he is the AOI of the Southwestern Division of the Costa FLW Series and will be a rookie on Hammer. tour next year. Also finished top 10 at Fort Gibson, so we'll talk a little Fort Gibson with him as well, I expect. Um, after that, uh, Kyle, you and I are going to discuss the Costa FLW Series at Fort Gibson, the Costa FLW Series at Lake of the Ozarks, uh, Norris, the final Walmart FLW Tour Invitational of the Year is coming up. Um, we got some uh, BFL-related news and uh, some BFL tournament recaps to give out, and who knows, maybe we'll talk about other things too, right? Uh, I'm sure. But anyhow, that ought to do it. So I guess without further ado, here is Kyle Cordiana, whose name I really hope I'm saying correctly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out shortly. <laughs> And now we're joined by Kyle Cordiana, um, AOI in the Southwestern Division of the Costa FLW Series in his first year fishing the Costa FLW Series. Uh, finished 10th at Sam Rayburn, 27th at Grand Lake, 2nd at Fort Gibson, and from what I understand, is going to be fishing the tour next year. Kyle, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jody. Good to, good to talk to you. All righty. Well, I guess my first question, because it's, you know, we're coming, we're right on the heels of it pretty much, and you finished second at Fort Gibson. But how did you catch your fish at Fort Gibson? Can you give people the lowdown on that tournament? Uh, yeah, I sure can. I, uh, you know, I've been fishing that lake for a long time. I used to run jackpot tournaments there, and and so I I knew a lot about the lake. And uh, during the fall, it's always difficult on any lake; those fish start to move and. And it's it's always been tough to catch fish really well at Gibson that time of year. And uh, had we been there a month ago, uh, it would have been a whole different ball game. You would have seen a lot of stringers over 20 pounds. Uh, but uh, anyhow, those fish started to move, and it got tough. And practice was really tough, uh, from what I understand, for most people. And uh, I had to uh, 
I had to change up my game plan, man. I had a couple community holes that were pretty close to takeoff. Uh, day one, I drew boat 76, and I really didn't think I had a chance of fishing a community hole. I could see it from takeoff. And uh, I really didn't think I had a chance of starting in there. I, a lot of fish were in there in practice. There always kind of are. And sure enough, I got by takeoff, and I've seen nobody go there. And so I hurry up and motor over there, and I know we're putting the troll motor down and make a couple of casts, and right behind me is Zach Burge. <laughs> he's, sitting there, he's sitting there pushing me along down the bank a little quicker than I wanted to, you know. And, but I had an area that was a little bit better, and so I kind of gave that up to him and went on down the bank to get to this. It's a little flat, it's what it is. And uh, typically early in the morning and in practice, I think I shook off like 12 fish there, and several of them jumped to throw my bait, and they were all quality fish. And so I was tickled. I thought I'm going to catch 17, 18 pounds in 30 minutes, and this is going to be fun. And uh, it didn't. It never does go like it's supposed to. But uh, anyway, we. I was sitting there fishing, so I scooted on down the bank, and Zach's behind me, and motoring up, motoring up right beside me, real, real quickly to go in front of me is Russell Cecil. So, so All I right. get pinned You're in AOI between Russell. competition. <laughs> yeah, I'm pinned in by him, but I love it. You know, I love the competition, and I'm, and you know, I was wanting something like that to happen anyway I, I like seeing how everybody's doing around me and really day one's what really settled me in uh because ultimately what happened is uh i think russell cecil's coingler caught a little one in a spot that i had shook off several good ones he caught a little one and russell power pulled down and just beat the snot out of an area and didn't catch anything and started to leave zach hadn't caught anything uh and i started to go behind him and catch fish and uh that really settled me in and uh I was catching my fish uh, on a little three-inch ounce jig, uh, chomper's jig. Uh, I had a tip with a punch-out craw that uh, Jacob Wheeler designed for Gene Rue. And the other thing I was uh, buttoned up with that was a tattletail worm. I was throwing it on a on a real light head that my dad makes for me um, with a wide gap, uh, kind of a soft wire hook. And uh, I was able to go behind those guys with that tattletail worm and that jig and just fish it really, really slow. And I was catching fish behind him. And so I left out of there with uh, four keepers. Uh, and Russell left with zero. And I think Zach went around the corner and caught a big one. Uh, he claimed his panoptics found it. But uh, other than that, I felt really good. That really settled me down. I thought, they're struggling, and I caught four. And so then I just started running my milk run. And in practice, I had found something really special. And what it was was it was a really large flat of mud. Uh, that I've ignored my entire life, Jody. I've never, I've never floated my boat across this mud flat, not once. And, in practice, uh, I ran out. Of, to look at weird stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, and I had my dad with me in practice. You know, he's he's my buddy, my partner, and, and everything else. And uh, I started idle way back to this flat, and he started he started kind of questioning my decision. And he was like, "This is ridiculous. I, what are we doing?" I said, I'm running out of stuff, and I see a bird standing back there in the middle of that 300 acres of water, and either it's two inches deep or he's standing on a piece of wood, and we had a little current. Uh, it was later in the day on a practice, and the current was moving a little bit. I said, I'm just curious. Just humor me. We fished everything, you know. So so we pull up to the spot, and turn up, this bird flies off, and there's this ginormous log. And uh, this tournament was a story of logs because the guy that won it wanted off one log, essentially, or a tree. But... Uh, <laughs> So I pull up to this, and it's got this little eddy behind it. You know, the current's just moving enough to make an eddy. And uh, I flipped a biffle bug beyond it and just was dragging it real fast. And like I said, I was I was dredging up mud the whole time to get there. And I no more get to that log, and I get thumped. And I go ahead and set the hook, and I catch a five and a quarter. 
and my dad kind of perched up and he was sitting in the seat so he perked up and decided he was going to start fishing you know and uh so i flipped i picked up a different bait so i'm like kind of shake one off with a little bit better flip i picked that jig up and i flipped it up there in his big log another one thumped it I was like, another one's got it. And he's like, jerk. I'm like, no, he jerked it on this one. And so he swam around, and this one kind of come up and tailwalk, looked like about a four-pounder. And I go, okay. I was like, this is good. And so we spent the next four hours looking for birds standing in that 18 inches of water because they'd land on a piece of wood. And I ended up finding eight structures there, and every single structure uh, held a big one. No kidding. Practice. That's and, cool. Uh, and and uh, it was a big area. Like I said, it was probably... It was probably two or three hundred acres of just mud, uh, but it was susceptible to catching a little bit of current, but it was also a little protected. And I think those are just resident fish, uh, you know, that have come in there and found this big open vast body of water that's got bait. And it's just got a few places to live and hide out. And I think the big boys claim it and the little boys and girls go on downstream, you know, but uh, that was something I saved. I decided I didn't really want to fish there uh hard on day two at all i knew nobody'd fish it and all the other stuff i thought might get pounded so on day one i tried to stay away from there and about noon um i had caught i think i caught 15 16 keepers by noon on day one and uh i knew i had about 12 pounds and i needed to call up but i drew the co-angler of the year on day one and he was leading it right and he only had one fish, and I'm sitting here in an offshore spot catching several keepers, and I was really rooting for him to put a lemon in the boat. And that was the main reason I told him if I went and ran these, this other spot, you wouldn't catch a thing, man, because literally you'd be throwing it mud. Um, yeah, it was isolated target. Yeah, he would really, for lack of a better word, he would have got the shaft on that deal. He wouldn't have caught anything. And so I chose to keep him out there and try to get him another fish. Unfortunately, he caught fish that just none of them measured. And, uh, and so that was my decision and I'll, and I'll live with that decision. Um, looking back, I may have decided to go up there and at least caught one keeper, you know, one good cold fish cause all my fish were Twinkies. And, uh, but on day two, I told my co-angler before we even lost the boat, I said, I just want you to know that about 12 o'clock today after that current gets to rolling, I'm going to do something that's not going to be very fun for you for a good hour and a half. And I'm sorry. And so, uh, so that's what we did on on day two. I uh, me and Zach started in the same spot. Uh, Russell didn't start there on day two since he didn't catch you there on day one. And and uh, you know me and Zach haggled each other. He's fun to fish beside. And uh, same kind of deal worked. I caught I caught a whole lemon out of there. Uh, and I don't I don't even know if Zach caught one. He might have caught one there on day two. Can't remember. But uh, went on down lake and 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 hit some other stuff that I didn't fish on day one, cold up a little bit, probably had 13 pounds, and then I told my co-owner I'm going to that spot. I go up, I pull up that first log, the one I told you about uh, in practice. And uh, I told my co-owner, I was like, if it's there, they're going to hit it really fast. They're real mean. And, man, I flipped a jig up there because I thought I had a better chance of keeping them stuck and pegged and the whole nine. And I flipped that jig up there, and I no more pick it up, and she just donkey kongs it. I set the hook, and... I set the hook on her, you know, I told him to get the net before I even jerked, you know, I was like, oh yeah, get the net. I, so I set the hook and I pegged her, man, and, and she come flying out of the water. She was about a four and a quarter, four, it might have been one of the ones I shook off, you know, probably was. And uh, and so I started swinging around the boat, and well, she jumped again and she threw my jig, and she just came off. And I kind of put my head in my hands, and I was just like, oh, oh. So I can't be doing that. I was like, hey, I've got, I've got seven other pieces of wood here, you know, and, and, uh, 
So I finished flipping that tree. I didn't get any more bites. Let's go on to the next one. So we had to sit down, put our life jacket on, idle for 10 minutes, and we go to this other waypoint I got. Stand up. I find a piece of wood. Flip to it. And this time, he's standing there with net. He was so sure that I had the strategy figured out. He was ready to go this time. Oh, man. <laughs> so I, I, I flip up in there. Because, you know, there's a little eddy, and the, and the current was stronger on day two. And uh, I had to borrow a boat to fish that tournament, and I had a digital trolling motor, a wireless trolling motor with a pedal that uh, turned based on pressure sensitivity. I'd never, ever used one of those, and I looked like a complete drunk going up and down the bank. Uh, the thing would just turn 180 degrees and go wherever it wanted sometimes. Uh, and so I was trying to do this in current, and I didn't have power poles. And uh, anyway, so I flip up there, and uh, sure enough, she hits it. I was like, there she is. And I, I set the hook on her, and uh, she gets pinned up in the tree a little bit, and uh, we don't get to see her. Um, but I knew she was big and, and she ends up getting off and I end up just having my jig stuck in the tree. And, uh, so I'm frustrated. I'm heartbroken. I'm all those things. And, but I kept my head up and I was like, okay, we'll go to this next one. The next one was a Bodark tree. It had, a it was bush, if you will. And it had those great big thorns as long as your fingers sticking out on some of the limbs. You could tell what kind of tree it was. And, uh, I went up to it and I cast it a little bit further than I wanted to. And the current brought me down into the bush and, uh, Brought her right at the top, and she one-wrapped that boat art limb, and she was pulled the boat art limb down the water. I'd pull her up the top, back down, back up, three or four times. She was probably 23, 24 inches long. I mean, we figured she was six, six and a half, and uh, I'm trying to get the trolling motor to do what I wanted to do to get up there to get her, and I turned. I, it, it was a circus, to say the least, and she finally pulled off, and my jig was sitting there. So I lost three giant fish in about 15 minutes. That's uh, I was extremely rattled, Jody. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it, and, and my whole season's been that way. It's been an incredible season, but it really is a season of lost fish for me this whole season. Um, anyway, so I went and fished the rest of the, the rest of my structures. I didn't lose another fish. I caught them, and that's what got me to having a sixteen. I had sixteen eleven on on day two, and I could have had you know twenty two probably. And uh, and then on the final day, uh, they never cut any current. I did the same thing, had 12 pounds, went to run up there and checked that spot. There was no current. I went ahead and flipped them all, didn't get a bite. And I told my conger, this is going to be tough for those boys up in the river. Um, they're not going to catch them. And I had a couple things, just little secret spots from knowledge on the lake. And one in particular one I had side scanned and found what looked to be a cattle gate with, uh, you know, four horizontal bars, round steel pipe. Looked like a cattle gate, lay on the bottom, leaned up against a stump. And I found it in practice and flipped it and shook a fish off on it. And I was like, I'm going to go to my cattle gate. And he's like, you're going to your what? I was like, it's a cattle gate. I know that's what it is. And so I went there, and, I, and I, it took me several casts to find it. But I finally found it, and I stuck one about six pounds on the GoPro. And uh, she ran right at the trolling motor, and, and I had to catch up to her. And I only had about 18 inches of line out. And I was walking around the trolling motor. And she just went to pulling really hard, and I was trying to engage my reel. And I had my drag too tight, and I uh, just pulled the jig out. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I lost a lot of fish. I guess any one of those is a $65,000 fish. And, uh, so it was a bittersweet tournament for me, but I'm still really happy the way it turned out. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously you were, it sounds like you were closer to being, you were pretty darn close to a win, but at the same time, you know, you're in second place is good. Winning AOI is great. Um, and you qualify for the tour. Which I mean, that's a that's a whole other bonus. What was what was your goal going into it? 
my well, I guess my goal would would have been to just to see how I fared. You know, I mean, uh, it was really a, a test for myself. Um, but the goal, I guess, the ultimate goal was to make the top ten. I really wanted to at least make the top ten, and then make the decision from that point if I'd make the tour. Um, how I felt coming out of the season, and uh, so yeah, the, the goal was to finish in the top ten. Um, All righty. Well, you definitely accomplished that. Uh, I don't want to say with ease because it sounds like you know there was a lot of bumps and whatnot along the way, but it you know pretty yes, pretty well. Uh, what what got you in your in the position to uh, to fish? You know, I guess the tour next year and you know the coast is this year. Uh, what? Uh, why? Why was now the time? Yeah, I, it money was the main reason. Uh, that kept me from doing it up until now. I fished since I was a little boy with my dad, and, and uh, I just never had the money to go out and fish at that level, uh, compete around here for years and years and years in little bass clubs. And and the, really, the main reason you you see maybe my calendar or my or my history fishing history shows that I fish a little bit of ABA. I mean, I made nationals one year, but I was just kind of pick and mingle between BFL and ABA events and stuff. Uh, it was mostly because of my father. I love to fish with my dad, and uh, he loves fishing with me, and I can't fish any of that stuff with him. He's not. He doesn't want to fish as a co-angler or anything, so we end up fishing a lot of little clubs together. And uh, for that reason, uh, that's why I haven't really just been fishing alone and, and fishing the whole BFL season and things like that. And uh, I've been working uh, for 89 years now for a real good company, Uh and uh, I saved up enough money to, to go see what I had out there at the Costa. And, and so that's this was the time to do it. My wife supports me. Uh, we've been trying to have kids for quite a while now, and, and the Lord hadn't blessed us one yet. And I'm, we chose to take that as a sign that I'm supposed to go fishing and not have that extra responsibility. And it's really cool to have a wife that supports me in that and thinks that way. There's not many women that think that way. And uh, so I... Again, the goal is to make the top ten, to turn around and win Angler of the Year, and then have your wife tell you that um, I'm supposed to fish the tour next year. That's it, it's it's supposed to happen that way, and so that's why I'm doing it. That's that's really kind of cool. Have you have you always had in the back of your mind um, that you wanted to try and fish the tour, or that you wanted to try and be a pro fisherman, or was that just a kind of a crazy pipe dream? at some points in, in time? I have always been goo-goo-ga-ga, if you will, for all those guys that we sit down and watch on the weekends, you know, when the weather's bad or we're tired from fishing the day before we sit down and we watch those guys sit out there. I mean, uh, you know, all the big mentors, the Roland Martins, the Jimmy Houston's, the Bill Dance. I mean, who doesn't love the clips of Bill Dance and the bloopers, you know I mean? <laughs> but all that, the whole, the whole concept of fishing and making money, uh, doing something you love to do that, it's work. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. Fishing is a job, and I and I really uh, wish people could fully understand that that don't fish. It's a chore, but there's not many uh, people that get to do something that's so fun and something they can be passionate and love and do it and potentially make a living doing it. And so, yeah, it's been a pipe dream my whole life, and uh, yeah, but still a dream that that I always thought was somewhat tangible. Um, especially when you start seeing some of these local guys around here do it. Like you said, you know, Zach Burge, uh, Jason Christie, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm, 
I used to run jackpots at Gibson, like I was saying earlier, and, you know, Tommy Biff will come out there and fish him, and, heck, I could beat Tommy on his own lake every now and then. That made you feel good, but it also kind of made you realize, man, maybe, you know, it just kept making you kind of reiterating the possibility that you could do it, and uh, if they can do it, why not Why not me? I I like that attitude, and, I mean, I'm sure that next year on tour you'll be going to a lot of places that you've never gone before, and... Maybe even places you've never really even seen anything like it before, but if you, you know, it's, it seems to me that obviously you're a pretty good fisherman, um, and you went to Sam Rayburn and you've never been there before and you top 10, so who knows what happens once you get out on tour, right? That's how I like to think about it, Jody. It really is. Uh, tidal fisheries are the only thing that I got, uh, I got zip experience on those. Um, but that being said, Fort Gibson often, uh, fishes maybe like a tidal fishery that dude will come up seven or eight foot in a day and drop five or six foot the next day and and i don't know if they react the same but you know it's that's all i got <laughs> so the tidal fishery scares me the most uh out of the whole bunch of them yeah that one is i mean that one scares a lot of people though like you know <laughs> I, I i'll be honest so brian thrift is i think maybe one of the best maybe the best fisherman in the world i mean he's amazing but he doesn't like fishing tides at all he doesn't like fishing rivers he hates current and if you look at his history like you know he's actually legitimately got a weak spot there so if if it turns out that two three years down the road you're catching him and it's like you know what he's got one weak spot and it's tidal fisheries that's an all right one to have compared if you look at what brian thrift's done and who knows it might not even be one yeah, you don't know. I, I had never fished uh, real heavy vegetation like what Rayburn had. I'd never done it. It scared me. And turns out I am addicted to that. I'm telling you what. I've wanted to go back down there so bad since we since we uh, left that stop. Uh, that is so much fun. It, it is the most addicting thing in the world to drop a two-ounce weight through a mat of grass that looks like your front yard and pull a seven-pounder out of there. That is fun. Yeah. <laughs> So maybe tidal fisheries will be just as fun, but, you know, a whole different kind of perspective. Yeah, probably not going to be a whole lot of seven-pounders at the Potomac. <laughs> just, well, well, maybe some snakehead that big. <laughs> well, I wonder how many people I'm going to be sharing that uh, parking lot dock with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, probably a lot more this time than there were last time. I covered that section of the river uh, the last time oh, we did were you? there. And I saw, like, a couple guys fish it, you know, for not for very long, like, I don't know if either, I guess they just weren't there last time we were there, but when Lucas was there, boy, were they there, that's for sure. <laughs> um, oh, man, that, that looked like fun. <laughs> so, yeah, he was catching some giants. Um, that looked like a blast. How about, you know, you're, the season's not quite over yet. You still got the uh, Coast FLW Series Championship coming up on Table Rock, and when you get there, I mean, that's a chance to qualify for the Forest Wood Cup, depending on how well you do. It's a chance to go into the... It's a chance to measure yourself against a whole pile of different pros. I mean, not that the the field in the Southwestern Division is really stout, and you've got, you know, Tut and Burge and, heck, Castledine. Like, the dude wins everything in Texas most of the time, uh, except this year for some reason. But, you know, that's a really, really good field. And... You add that plus, uh, you know, Scott Canterbury and, uh, you know, just a whole slew of guys of 
tour level pros and great local pros and you put them on table rock that's a great place to test yourself oh that's exactly right and and that's that's gone through my mind every single uh every single day and i'm gonna have to keep my head down real hard on that one uh my practice needs to go well uh, i have no history on that lake and uh but again i think it fishes in my strengths and so uh i, I feel like i i don't know we all like to think we can think like a fish a little bit and and uh, I think I know what they ought to be doing there, even though I've never been there. Um, and I think, well, we're only going to get, what, three days of practice or, or four days. I guess we'll get four days of practice is all I'm going to get. Um, but I think that's enough to figure out at least a solid pattern. And in past events, if I can get out a solid limit by 10 or 11 o'clock, I can spend the rest of the day practicing and, and, and try to, you know, grow on that and find some bigger fish. But I think 13, 14 pounds a day is going to be my goal. That's what I'm going to try to find in practice. And if I can find that kind of bite, I'm going to run with that. And if that ends up being the wrong weight to shoot for, well, you know, then maybe I messed up. But that's typically my game plan. If I if I can come up with a weight that I think is going to be a contender, um, I try to find that size of fish. And once I do that, then I'll stick with it. And it's worked for me my whole life. As, uh, as far as guessing what the weights will be, I'm usually fairly close. Um uh, it could be a rude awakening for me, but that's my game plan. Okay, I like it. What do you, you said you think it caters to your strengths a little bit. What do you consider your strengths to be? Because growing up in Oklahoma, I mean, there's a pretty good variety there from, I mean, to me, Grand and Fort it, Gibson look similar, but you've got a whole bunch of little rivers around there, and you've got probably some stuff down in Texas, not too far away. What's What are your what are your strengths? Well, you're right. It's probably a pretty good combination of two lakes around here, and I would say it's Grand Lake, and uh, we got a lake called Lake Ten Killer around here, and it's it's just chock full of smallmouth, and it's really clear, uh, deep deep water, and uh, a lot of spotted bass, a lot of smallmouth, uh, a lot of big largemouth too. Um, those are two of my favorite fisheries, and I feel like Table Rock's kind of the combination of the two. But at the same time, I'm a river rat. I love the Arkansas River. Uh, You'll notice I jackpot VFL uh, events on the river or anything. I'm always jackpotting those, and and uh, so if they're not biting in the clear water, they got that James River up there that uh, runs a little muddier. It's going to be a little bit colder. The fish are probably already uh, a little bit shallower there. Um, I like doing both of those things, uh, but for me, I like I'm a dragger. I like being out deep, uh, and I know there's a lot of deep water and a lot of fish that are deep, suspended and. I like trusting my Lorance grass, and uh, they don't fail me. Uh, and so if I can see them down there, I, I like to try to get them to bite. And if I get them to bite and they're three-pounders, then I'm going to be happy. There there uh, you go. But, yeah. I like it. Well, Kyle, thanks uh, thanks so much for coming on, for taking the time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You're, uh, you're good at this. Um, I'm uh, sorry we had a little technical snafu there, but other than that, we should be good to go. Before I let you go, where can people uh, find you if they want to follow you on the internet or anywhere else? Yeah, sure. Look me up on Facebook. Uh, Kyle Cordiana is on Facebook. Instagram is K Cortiana. Uh, Twitter, I'm at Born to Fish and Hunt. Uh, get on there, follow me, uh, watch out for me. Hopefully, I got some exciting stuff to to post and show you, and we'll go from there. All right. Well, uh, Kyle, thanks for thanks for the time, and best of luck. You know, up at uh, up at Table Rock, really just a few weeks from now, where we get to finish the season off. Yeah, I appreciate that. Are you going to be there? I'll be there. I'll see you there.
cool. Look forward to it. All right. Well, thanks a bunch. All right. So, Kyle, uh, first up is the Coast FLW Series Southwestern Division uh, finale at Fort Gibson. Um, this was I – did, I did not cover this. I did the editing uh, for it. David Brown and D.W. Reed were out doing the covering. Uh, Derek Fultz won. He caught 40 pounds, 45 pounds, 5 ounces over three days. Uh, Kyle Cordiana finished second with 43-4. Then uh, your boy Brandon Mosley. Uh, then Jim Tut, Zach Burge, Brett Brumnett, Brian Potter, and uh, Jeff Spragan eighth. Uh, and let's see. Chad Warren and Jeff Dobson ninth and tenth. And then Bradley Hallman finished 11th just out of the cut. I'm so sad. Um, <laughs> but anyhow, it was kind of... It was a, it was kind of an interesting tournament from what I can tell because it seemed like there were a few different things you could do, but the river really dominated, and the current that was – and when there was current running in the river, that dominated. I know mean, that's how mm-hmm. – like, that's how Sprague caught almost all of his weight the first two days. Well, not almost all, but a lot of his weight the first two days. Uh, Burge caught a lot of uh, a lot of his fish doing that. Like there were, it was just it was a very popular area, um, and I don't think usually you'd think that the uh, river. Well, I guess rivers play a lot. It seems like, especially this year. But when there was mm-hmm. the current running there, you know, I was talking with Sprague after the tournament, and he said that basically you had to run your trolling motor on high to like even even stand still. Like you were almost Dang. drifting when it was really moving. You were almost drifting down, and you flip, and you'd have to make a quick flip and a quick flip and. You flip it in the right little place and just boom, they would, they would just they would go after it. Uh, but when the current wasn't running, it was really tough. Fulps, how he won, he had like a, he basically had a top secret tree, and I've heard a couple different stories about how this tree got found, but the main point is there was a tree off the bank in the river, and it was a big, a, a big bushy leafy tree under the water, that somehow he found. And uh, he basically caught all his fish there on the second on the second day and the third day, and I think almost all his fish there on the first day as well. So it's kind of rare that you win a tournament off one tree, but Derek Fulps pulled it off. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, do you have any other Fort Gibson related uh, notes to share or thoughts? Um, no, I guess I sort of thought the fishing was like a little tougher than I thought it would be but I say that with the stipulation that I didn't really know how good it would be either you know what I mean yeah it wasn't like I was something, kind of surprised it wasn't something you put a whole ton of thought into but when you look back at it you're like hmm, that was pretty tough <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah I um I guess I agree with you on that I can't say I don't know, man. I, I just don't have a whole lot of knowledge about Fort Gibson. I still don't. It looks to me a lot like Grand Lake based on what I saw from pictures and stuff like that. But I also, mm-hmm. at Lake of the Ozarks, it felt a lot like Grand Lake to me as well. So maybe I just think every place that has docks is a lot like Grand Lake. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it definitely did look like tough fishing, though. I mean, there were there were it seemed like there were plenty of guys who said, man, I fished and fished and fished and just never got on anything. Um, yeah, the guy uh, Russell Cecil, who was leading the tournament coming into, who was leading the 
AOI race coming into it. Um, he ended up in 61st, and he said and his problem was that he would go around and catch, like, one fish doing one thing and one fish doing another thing and never catch two fish doing anything. You know, he would, he had, it wasn't that he'd had a terrible practice, it was that he'd never had anything in practice that was good. You know, it's nothing that right, was terrible right. either. It was just, there were, the fish were not wanting to be, not wanting to eat, apparently, very well. But if you got off that river, that definitely helped, or it seemed to me a lot of guys also just fished docks, and I think the docks were kind of, I think they were kind of community-type docks. Like, they weren't, I don't think fishing docks was some, was some kind of big secret. It was just some guys fished them better than other people, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But, anyhow, it's a good way to finish out the year, and now, you know, there's a whole group of dudes who qualified for the uh, Coast FLW Series Championship coming up in, I guess, three weeks on Table Rock. So Yeah, a couple weeks. Yeah. That season's over, and really, our, all our Coast FLW Series seasons are over now. Because um, the uh, week after that, I went out to Lake of the Ozarks with Matt Pace, and we covered the final Central Division event of the year out there. Uh, and that one had more had more anglers, had a hundred like 120, 120-some-odd pros in that one compared to i guess let's see i think he was like right about at 100 at uh fort gibson um and duke jenkel won that one he caught 52 pounds five ounces over three days which pretty stout um and mark tucker who's the man out there got second Dion Hibden, who's also the man out there, got third. Dustin Evans, who is kind of the man, but not out there, got fourth. Marcus Sakura, <laughs> uh, who's the man out there, got fifth. Brian Maloney, who's the man out there, got sixth. Corey Steckler, who's the man out there, got seventh. Uh, Sean <laughs> Cole, who's also the man out there, got eighth. Uh, Jim Young, who I think is pretty much the man out there, got ninth. And Dustin Blevins, who really is not the man out there, got tenth. Um so I guess wow. what I'm saying is like it was a crazy <laughs> stacked top ten. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, and Duke Jenkel, who somehow I mean he hasn't fished there much. He's fished there like four or five times, I think. Uh, not that he has not. I mean he's fished around everywhere, but he's not a native to uh, Lake of the Ozarks. Somehow he beat all of those crazy good dudes, two of whom are former BFL All American champions. Pretty much all of them who have won a tournament on Lake of the Ozarks before. Uh, I mean, it's pretty, uh, heck, Deion Hibden, who's won the Forest Wood Cup and the Bassmaster yeah. Classic. I mean, pretty stout group there that he ended up beating. Absolutely. Um, did you follow this one at all? Uh, a little bit. What are your impressions? Before uh, I, before you know, I, I delve thought, deep. <laughs> I, I, um, I thought, I guess... I knew, like, I thought the weights were pretty good. Right. I thought I was impressed, too. Yeah, I I think that was probably the biggest thing. After the first day weigh-in, I was like, dang. These guys are actually kind of getting after them. They caught them that first day. They were, of course, they bellyache and practice and whatnot. But, like, Steckler caught caught almost 22 pounds on the first day. And Hibden was was second with, like, almost 20 pounds. I mean, they were cracking them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
It was uh, and it was um, I guess the other thing I, I wasn't really surprised to see so many kind of local hammers um, in the top ten on on this lake. Uh, especially like gosh, even if you keep scrolling down like into the top twenty, like, just so many guys that have done really well on Lake of the Ozarks in the past. And it seems like that lake suits local dudes pretty well mm-hmm. um, because it's just so huge and there's so many docks and there's so many um, like docks with brush on them. There's so many banks with, you know, whether it's uh, some rocks or brush on that too, that you just couldn't really find if you'd never been there before and you just showed up for a couple days of practice. Yeah, so, I think... I think that I think you're right about that. It's very daunting to break down, and yeah, you have to. I, I want to say you have to get you have to get just a little bit lucky, probably, to figure that oh, for sure. out really quickly. Um, just like you would at Champlain or something like that, where there's exactly. so much territory and you cannot cover it all in three days. Like no matter no matter what, it's it can't be done. Um, so you got to pick a section. Or the right section and figure that out, or something like that. And I mean, obviously, some guys did that, and you know, a lot of the locals guys were able to lean on their knowledge. Yep. Um, one thing that I was a little, I was a little surprised at how heavily Docs played. I mean, pretty much everybody but two people in the top ten were primarily targeting Docs. Well. We're mostly primary. We're mostly targeting docs, let's say. But, you know, realistically, you had uh, Sean Cole, who he caught a pretty good number of fish out deep um, on, like, points and stuff like that. So not docks, uh, which, you know, was a pretty legit thing. And then you had, uh, really, you had Dustin Evans, and he fished an actual spring. Uh, underwater spring and caught his fish out of there. Cool. And when he was, ex- so he was explaining that to me in the way in line and I'm recording and listening and got my notepad out. You should have seen when he was like, so I, yeah, I was fishing an underwater spring. You should have seen the dudes around him, how they perked up. It was really cool to watch. <laughs> it was like, you know, Sakura's there just talking to someone else. I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he said that, I guess he would have kept it secret because he's won a tournament off it before, like a couple of years ago, because he found it coming out oh. to practice for one championship thing. Um, but uh, anyhow, he uh, so he won, so he he did well off that, and he also caught a couple fish, you know, other places. I'm trying to think of, I think pretty much everyone else though they were dialed in on the docks. Oh, so why yeah. Dustin Evans? Why he was gonna? Why he gave it up? Essentially, he said that he fished with two co-anglers on the first two days who were from there, and so he realized that well, it wasn't gonna stay secret for long. Oh uh, um, yeah, good point. Which that'll happen. Um, still, you know, there's a whole bunch of other guys now who are probably gonna go looking around for springs that <laughs> they didn't know they existed. <laughs> um, anyhow, uh. Duke Jenkel, who the man who actually won it, uh, he caught 14-4 on the first day, then almost 20 on the second day, and then 18 and change on the third day. 
and he pretty much caught like let's say 90% of his fish out of one area on the lake, one back of one creek with a marina in it. So, he hunkered down. He did catch fish the he did cull, he told me the first 2 days out of there closer down to takeoff, but mostly he was in there and he was uh, flipping a tube and flipping a uh, trick worm, mag trick worm, and that's how he caught him. So I like it. Yeah. So really, the last uh, last two tournaments of the year, pretty much find yourself a really good spot and hang out in there. Yeah, milk it. Yeah. Which I feel like that happens a lot in tournaments. I mean, it's not always where guys are running all over the place. You know, you don't always have Brian Thrift or Jason Lambert or some situation like that. Jason yeah. Lambert on Kentucky yeah, Lake, Brian Thrift at Norman. You know, it's not. Sometimes you end up covering a ton of ground, like gassing up halfway through, and sometimes you just pretty much sit on a couple spots and grind them out. So yeah, and it is what it is. Yeah. Um. Anything else from there? Uh, I don't think so. You did a good job. Thank you. We were present, not to complain too much, because obviously it's great. You get to be on the water and take pictures of guys and watch people fish and whatnot. But, uh, one, the Red Sox totally sucked while I was there, and that was a bummer. (laughs) Two, uh, the weather, the first two mornings while we were out on the water, just was terrible. Like, the first day, I don't think I had my shutter speed cranked up like past like 200 or something until probably 11. And I, and I don't think the second day I Dang. ever did it because it. the first day was raining all morning. And the second day was like they had this cold front blow in and it went from being like 60 in the morning to like 50 by the end of the morning. It was just sucked. Bad weather. Final day was beautiful, though. Just perfect. I mean, it was clear. It was cold there was some fog in the morning but like once the sun got up it was gorgeous and really rough no wind though <laughs> the, the takeoff photos from day one were pretty sweet yeah pretty sweet sunrise. like the sunrise looked pretty yeah pretty epic it was pretty epic um you know i basically got them posted got on the water and uh then it started to rain oh okay so good it was really good timing. <laughs> but yeah, the second, the takeoff photos from day two were just, whew, there was, it was nasty then. Day two was, day two was a tough one. But they caught them pretty good all days except the final day, really. So as long as they're catching them, I'm happy. Yeah, that's all that matters. Yep. Oh, side note. So you and I did not make uh, Costa Challenge picks at, uh, Lake of the Ozarks. Lake of the Ozarks. But we did at Fort Gibson. And yes. we, uh, well, I don't know how we're going to figure this out exactly, but I didn't realize until sometime in the first day that Ray Hanselman was not actually fishing. Um, <laughs> but you picked Brandon Mosley, Chris McCall, and Todd, and Todd Castledine. And uh, Brandon Mosley did great, and McCall and Castledine did not do well at all. I picked no, Bradley Hallman and Chad Warren and Ray Hanselman, and... Bradley Holman and Chad Warren did great, and Ray Hanselman didn't show up. Um, <laughs> so what I did in our, like, you know, keeping tally, I gave Hanselman 109th, which would basically mean he tied with all the guys who didn't catch any fish at all, which I'm okay with doing it that way. Um, anyhow, when I did that, it meant that we tied. So 
Yeah, we. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> I, I think I'm just going to put it down as a tie, and we're still tied. And really, um, really what it comes down to is whoever wins the championship is going to win this thing. Wow, I like it. Because we haven't really picked enough of these. We should have picked more of these, to be honest. We should have been better about you know getting on it throughout the year. But, you know, we're tied 5-5 going into... Uh, Going into the final deal, so. Oof. This is going to get intense. Yeah, it is, because, you know, this final one, it's a tough, tough one to pick. I mean, there's a lot of lot of good dudes in it. A lot of good dudes. A lot of hammers. Yes. So, we got that. Anyhow. Uh, Norris is coming up, the final FLW Tour Invitational. Um, I, uh, I, for one, am pretty stoked about it, because... Well, it's going to be in East Tennessee. It weather should be. I hope the weather is beautiful. Uh, I've never been to Norris before, but I know it's gigantic, um, and that'll be yeah, fun. It's big. I mean, really, really big. <laughs> uh, and there's smallmouth, so that'll be fun. Yes, it will. Anything in particular you're looking forward to at Norris? Uh, no, I think you nailed it. It's supposed the scenery's supposed to be cool, and there's smallmouth, so. I'm happy. Yeah, we will get out there next week and find out about it, basically. This is, I think, only the second FLW tournament we've ever held on Norris. We had a BFL there in the spring. Um, Also of note, bigger field in this Invitational. The first one, I forget how many we had. uh, This one, the second one, we've got 104 boats. I feel like it was 80-something. Yeah, so quite a bit bigger field. Um Kind of fewer tour pros, though, to be honest, if I look at the list. Um, so I think uh, I think we're looking at I think we're looking at a good tournament, probably. And uh, maybe oh, I think so. Maybe I mean Brandon Card is fishing. He pretty much lives there. He fishes on the Elite Series, so maybe Brandon Card qualifying for the Forestwood Cup, or maybe someone else. Hey. It's, it's anyone's game. No Brian Thrift this time, so we can't double qualify. Or, well, triple qualify or whatever it is. He wishes he could be there, but he has some sponsor thing to attend to. You would think he would like to go there, because he does say he likes fishing places he's never been before. Mm-hmm. Pretty much yeah, he told, me, he told me after Norman he would he wishes he could, but he's got some He's probably got like, to do. go out to Clear Lake with Damiki and... Do something like that, because he does that a lot, it seems like. No, it's something more local. Well, I could excuse Clear Lake. I don't know if I can totally excuse local. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> well, you know, he can do it. He can, Brian Thurk can do his thing. Um, anyhow, our next piece of news, before we get into some BFL tournament recaps, is the uh, BFLs have a new title sponsor um, <clears throat> going forward. Well, not going forward immediately, but... 2017 and probably for the foreseeable future, uh, hopefully, uh, TH Marine will be title will be the title sponsor. They've been a sponsor of FLW uh, for quite a while, and now they are uh, going to be running the well, not running, but titling the TH Marine Bass Fishing League. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I know. I think a lot of people have said, "Well, hey, what about Walmart?" A lot of people, I think, didn't realize that Walmart. I don't think they've been sponsoring the BFL since at least sometime early spring, maybe late winter this year. So they've been the FLW BFLs for a pretty good, a good chunk of time now. And 
Now they're the TH Marine yeah. BFLs. I like it. It's cool. Yeah, I'm down with it. Uh, I would think it would be a really good way for them to get their uh, their contingency program out to a lot, lot more people. Because uh, there's a lot of people who fish BFLs. And oh, have, yeah. a jack, have a jack plate or a uh, trolling cord or hydro wave or, you know, whatever. Anyhow, you got some BFLs for me? They got a lot of stuff. They do uh, have a lot of stuff. I do. Um, let's see. We're, oh, so most recently in BFL land, uh, we had a regional take place on Kerr Lake in North Carolina. And uh, let's see, David Wright won that one, who's pretty well known for being a hammer in that uh, neck of the woods. And he caught a total of 43 pounds, 9 ounces. These are three-day tournaments, so that's 43 pounds over three days. Um, He won a new boat and some cash, I think, is the prize he got for that. Um. He basically, like, shaky head and Rapala DT-10, DT-16, and also DT-14. So a pretty good chunk of the Rapala DT lineup um, played a role in how he caught his fish. And um, it sounded like he kind of just rotated baits. Uh, He used a couple different colors. Hot mustard, which is probably one of my favorite DT colors. Uh, And he also used a bluegill one. And, yeah, that's about it. He said the DT-14 was his most productive bait. And, yeah, he won some stuff. So, there you go. Well, that sounds great. I love it. Kerr, they yeah. were, were kind of in a hurricane then at, at uh, that point in time. Yeah, yeah. They were, uh, the, the weather wasn't as uh, conducive. So, it pretty much, like, rained and was, it was raining and super windy. Um pretty much the whole time of the tournament and uh, Wright said it made things tough, which understandably so. I can imagine fishing in a hurricane would be not so easy. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree. Um, but then the other regional we've had thus far took place back at the beginning of October, end of September. Uh, that regional was held on Lake Chickamauga and was presented by Mercury. My old buddy Ryan Davidson won that one, and he didn't, like, just win it. He crushed it. Yeah, like, like I think he won by 12 pounds or something like that. I mean, I think it, Let me see here. I think he probably had to go fishing the last day, but it was one of those ones where it was close that he couldn't have. <laughs> yeah, his, his total weight uh, for three days, 46 pounds, 14 ounces. Um, yeah, he, he slugged him. He basically was flipping uh, yum, bad mama. Bad Mama? Bad Mama? I like, I think probably Bad Mama. I like Mama. Uh, he was, uh, submerged Hydrilla was what he was doing. Um, he caught a couple great big ones. Um, and then it kind of started to fizzle out as, his bite kind of started to fizzle out as the tournament went on. But either way, when you can win by 12 pounds, I don't really care how good you catch them, you crushed it. <laughs> so, yeah. Good for you, Ryan Davidson. Yeah, I saw some of the pictures from day one when we didn't have a photographer there, but we were just taking some pictures and like, woo, he caught some fish. 
Um, yeah, yeah, he did. Anyhow, that was that was no doubt pretty cool. Oh, also, I guess I should mention that the winners, both Wright and Davidson, uh, each also got a spot in the All American for their win, like on top of winning the boat and some money. Um, yep. That's like one of the other prizes you get. So good for you two. Well, Kyle, I think that pretty much wraps us up for the week. You got anything else? Um, not really. I uh, I did spend last weekend with uh, Jason Lambert came up here to film for his TV show, so we went fishing for a couple days in a in a pretty awesome fall cold front in Minnesota. But it was nice to be on the water for a few days. I actually think I was on the water last week. For four days. That's like the most I've been on the water in a long time. It wasn't four days consecutively. It was like two. And I came in the office for a few days and then two more days. But it felt good. It felt good to get back in the swing of things. I haven't been like late fall fishing or even like really a good fall bite like into October in a long time. So it was kind of cool to get back out and chase around some smallmouths. That sounds pretty fun. Where were you fishing? Mille Lacs or other places? Uh, well, yeah, we, we fished on Mille Lacs uh, one day, or actually like a day and a half, and then we fished on the Mississippi River in Brainerd um, one day as well. Ooh, that's kind of fun. It was uh, it was kind of cool. The, the first day we went on Mille Lacs, it was blowing like 15 miles an hour out of the west, and it was like, super cold i think it was 34 when we woke up and i don't think it got above 38 lambert was not so pleased with the weather considering it was i think it was like 85 when he left his house on thursday to come up here or he flew up but um that's pretty stark you know temperature change pretty pretty drastic that we didn't catch any giants pretty uh, that is pretty drastic I don't think I'd be down. I don't know that I'd be down for that. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of tough. We were on a show. We were trying to catch them uh, on the BD series jerkbait and um, some Castaic Jerky J swim baits, which was like the most productive thing. I mean, we caught we caught a bunch of four pounders, like four four and a half pounders, but couldn't uh, couldn't find old big. Well, you know, you can't always do that. It doesn't doesn't always happen, unfortunately. No, no, it doesn't. And, like, if we could have went out and drop shot a little bit out deeper, we probably could have found one. Or if we would have had more time. The first day, we tried fishing the spot. Uh, Zona was also out there. And he caught one big one. It was in Bass Blaster, that great big giant one. He caught, like, I don't read that. 200 yards. Uh, yeah, I don't either. But Alex <laughs> Davis texted me the picture, and Zona texted the picture to Lambert. So I've seen it a couple times. Uh, but if you happen to look at Bass Blaster, it's a big old. I mean, I don't know how big the thing is. It's like six plus. It's huge. Okay. But he caught that basically like a couple hundred yards inside of where uh, Lambert and I started. But there was like four footers rolling over this flat. And it was like next to impossible to fish properly without like 
some power pole drift paddles or something. I should have brought my drift sock is what I should have done, looking back on it. Oh, but yeah, you got to bring the drift sock. It also makes kind of for hard to film, you know, when, like, everything's bouncing around. You feel like you're probably going to get seasick just watching it. So that didn't last that long. However, we went back the next day, and the wind calmed down after we filmed on the river, and then we started catching them pretty good. But it was fun. It was cool. Fall cool. colors, big, fat, small mouse, chewing swim baits, like ripping the rod out of your hand when they bite it. Dude, they do bite it there pretty good, don't they? Yeah. Like, they uh, chomp on it. I like they that. They like it. I feel like I should go back up there, probably. I would say you should. Yeah. Um, I am, you know you know me, I'm pro smallmouth. Um, well, the problem is, next few days, it's supposed to blow, like, 15 to 20 every day. Oh, they eat better in the wind. They do. They'll be uh, chomping that jerkbait. I just, uh, I don't really want to go play around in big seas, you know what I mean? You know, bring a drift sock, you'll be good to go. Yeah, I you're suppose a, I could get I gotta steal one from my dad's boat. We'll see. <laughs> now you got me thinking. Now I might now I might I might have to go play around there on Friday. Look, I'm just it's pretty much my job to just try and encourage people to go fishing. So uh you know that's that's what you're gonna get out of me. Um Well front, you know I'm what? Sorry. I'm not gonna argue with it. Um Yeah, I would say that'll be that should be a good time. Um while let's see between prior to lake of the ozarks i was in texas costa had a uh they had like a little media event down there and i went down basically for a day and i fished with a couple of guys and then the day after i went there uh, and i enjoyed myself tremendously the day after i went there they i went fishing with clark ream and we flipped uh, uh at a little lake near him and we were, like, flipping for largemouth in, in, like, hydrilla in, like, 20 feet of water. And we did pretty good. Like, I'm sure we caught over 20 pounds. And I caught one that was, like, five and a half. But, you know, it's that's pretty fun to do. Heck, yeah, man. Um, but we didn't quite do... He sent me a picture yesterday uh, where he and a client had gone out and caught 30 pounds. So, obviously, we didn't quite hit it right. But it was a ball. Oh, well. Um, and I guess, so part of the reason Costa was doing this thing is they have a new pair of sunglasses out or well, a new lens out that's yellow, um, with a uh, silver mirror and I like it. So there you go. Ooh, uh, sounds like I need a pair. You probably should get a pair cause they're really nice, uh, for like driving in the rain, uh, which I tested. They're really nice for, I would say early mornings. Um, and also I've fished with yellow glasses in the past in Florida and in, uh, like, bed fishing when it's real cloudy and dingy out. And yep. it's a plus for that for that stuff, too. And I have a hunch that these will be a plus for that as well. Ooh, yeah. I got I to gotta go order me some up. So, anyhow, I, that's, my, uh, that's my report on the week. Well, I like it. All right, man. Well... I guess it's we'll a, see each other at, at Norris. Yeah, at Norris. It's been a pleasure. Um, people can follow you on Instagram at Kyle Lumber, me on Instagram at Jody Blanco, um, FLW uh, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, etc. at FLW Fishing, um, FLW Official on Snapchat, FLWFishing.com is a place to be. Really good place to go watch Circuit Breaker, which uh, is out now. The uh, first yes. episode. I have no idea when the second episode will be out, but we've got the first one. 
We got momentum going now. It's going to be worth watching, I'm sure, because it's got Cody Myron. He's kind of a gem. Um, (laughs) Anything else, Kyle? I think that's it, man. Oh, I lied. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, go on ahead and email us. We love reading your emails. Podcast at flwfishing.com, and uh, we'll get back to you. All righty. Well, with that, man, it's been a pleasure. Take it easy. As always, see ya.